Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Precious name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's rejoice one more time. Hallelujah. Rejoice one more time. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Welcome your neighbor to church and have your seats in God's presence like the kings and queens that you all are. Father, we give you praise. Amen. Such a good time to be alive. Amen. All right, we'll be starting a brand new series today. Who's excited about that? <laughs> Amen. Okay, so um, it's going to be really, really profound, and I believe it will really impact our lives in visible and tangible ways. Because what we're about to learn is not something that can stay invisible. The wisdom of God, even though it's essentially invisible, it has visible effects, all right? It has visible effects in the life of anyone who possesses it. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So the Lord has inspired the word in the house, all right? And the purpose of this teaching series is to... into a place of mastery in delivering results according to the God kind by the wisdom of God. I'll say that again. The objective of this teaching series is to bring the tribe to a place of mastery in delivering results according to the God kind by the wisdom of God. So I'll be sharing uh, a few objectives of this teaching series, five of them. All right, I'd like you to just capture them in your notes. If you brought one to church, amen. It's the new year, so bring your notes to church, okay? Don't trust your brain. <laughs> All right, just capture them, and it gives you an opportunity to revisit those things that you have written and um, reference them. Number one, to build in every tribesman the confidence of certainty. All right? Oh, let, let, let me take that again. To build in every tribesman the confidence of the certainty of the results that come from a supernatural order that is superior to that of this world. I'm going to say that again. The, to build into every tribesman the confidence of the certainty of the results that comes from a supernatural order that is superior to that of this world. So that... While quick but weak results are coming from the quarters of the world, we do not suddenly begin to second-guess our approach. I'll say that again. So that while quick but weak results are coming from the quarters of the world, we do not suddenly begin to second-guess our approach, but with even greater audacity, prosecute the patterns revealed to us by the wisdom of God. Did you get that? <laughs> I'll say that again from the beginning. To build into every tribesman the confidence of the certainty of the results that come from a supernatural order that is superior to that of this world. That is, there's a supernatural order and then there's an order that comes from this world. So to build into every tribesman the confidence of the certainty of the results that come from a supernatural order that is superior to that of this world. You can put a colon there, a semicolon, or a full stop, as the case may be. Preferably a colon. So that while quick but weak results are coming from the quarters of the world, 
Amen. So that while quick but weak results are coming from the quarters of the world, we do not suddenly begin to second guess our own approach, but with even greater audacity, prosecute the patterns revealed to us by the wisdom of God. Did you get that? So that while quick but weak results are coming from the quarters of the world, we do not suddenly begin to second guess our own approach, but with even greater audacity, prosecute the patterns revealed to us by the word of God. Did you get that? Amen. Okay. That's number two now. To execute. The others are shorter. All right. <laughs> number two is to execute judgment in every situation according to the will of God. The, will of, the wisdom of God is what executes judgment in situations. How did the people of Israel realized that Solomon was wise because a, a situation was brought before him, a situation that would typically confuse a normal person. And then he was able to judge accordingly by the wisdom of God. Amen. So to execute judgment in every situation according to the will of God. Number three, to create systems. Did we get the second one? To execute judgment in every situation according to the will of God. Number three, to create systems and protocols that guarantee. You should be writing these things down, okay? To create systems and protocols that guarantee predictable outcomes of victory. Hallelujah. To create systems and protocols that guarantee predictable outcomes of victory in every area of the believer's life. I'll say that again. To create systems and protocols that guarantee predictable outcomes of victory in every area of the believer's life. A wise man does not build a skewed house. It's balanced. Alright? Every area of his life is balanced. It's not skewed. It's not strong in one area and then weak in another area. He's balanced. And that's by the wisdom of God. So to create systems and protocols that guarantee predictable outcomes of victory in every area of the believer's life. Number four, to confound the wisdom of this world. That's one of the purposes of the wisdom of God. To confound. To make look like nothing. The wisdom of this world. Hallelujah. To confound the wisdom of this world through the manifestation of the manifold wisdom of God in the believer. To confound the wisdom of this world through the manifestation of the manifold wisdom of God in the believer. Number five. This one is very important. To help every tribesman develop the capacity to make decisions that are both immune to crisis and outlast times and dispensations. I'll say that again. To help tribesmen, every tribesman, to develop the capacity to make decisions that are both immune to crisis. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> that are both immune to crisis and that outlast times. And dispensations. 
Praise in the name of the Lord. Teaching series will transform so, your life and your reality. That particular, we don't come to church for uh, church. Package of objectives. Can we just pray? <laughs> the we come to church to receive wisdom that will organize and govern our lives, so that we can have predictable outcomes of victory. Praise the name of the Lord. So you pray in the Spirit, the Lord. Any hindrance in my heart, any stronghold. Bible says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts themselves against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this is the time to begin to pray and ask God to cast down every imagination. That anything that would hinder the free flow of the word of God into my heart, I cast it down. Anything that would inhibit the engrafted word of God from taking root in my spirit man, I throw it off. I cast it down. I'm ready to receive, not just today, but every single installment in this entire teaching series. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. Father, we give you praise. For in Jesus' precious name, we're afraid. Hallelujah. Can we just celebrate the wisdom of God in this house? The wisdom of God in this house. It's so palpable. It's so tangible. It's so almost edible. <laughs> Amen. Because the Bible says we should taste and see. So the wisdom of God can be edible. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God is an intangible force that produces tangible results. It's an intangible force. All right. You can't put a sign on your face that shows you're a wise person. It's an intangible force. It's a force of the spirit. But it produces consistent, tangible results. And in fact, predictable. A wise man can predict outcomes. He can predict them. Hallelujah. We don't know what will happen. No, a wise man can speak with a certain level of audacity and certainty about the outcome of things. Because he has come to receive a certain type of wisdom. So, there was a man in the Bible called Job. He went through crisis, very massive disaster happened in his life like everything that could go wrong with a man happened at once in his life typically people experience those things that job experienced in a season they experienced it over the course of their lives and in fact they may not have even experienced half of the things that he experienced in just one season maybe the season lasted a couple of years and this guy literally had a compounded form of disaster I mean, just as he was recovering from one bad news, another one came and another one came. And then, of course, he was in a very bad place, in a very bad state of mind. And then he had his friends to comfort him. And so they came around and they began to share stuff with him, thoughts, ideas. And by 32, he had heard all kinds of things, all kinds of postulations and, you know, conspiracy theories about why and how he got himself into this situation in the first place. And so Elihu, who happened to be the youngest of them, all right, um, he, he gave allowance. He gave allowance for the older people to speak, considering their age, that they should ideally have more experience and wisdom, all right. Um, and then after they had all spoken, the four or three of them had spoken to Job, and he weighed those things on a scale. They came to nothing. He realized that, ah, I may have made a wrong assumption in thinking that age confers wisdom. <laughs> So he spoke in verse 7 of Job chapter 32, and he was saying that I, I actually thought that days should teach wisdom. I thought that multitude of years should teach wisdom. I thought that age and old age should be able to confer knowledge, understanding on a person. But it says I've come to realize that there is a spirit in man. And that it is the inspiration of the Almighty that giveth them understanding. His conclusion was that great men are not always wise. 
It says, neither are the aged able to exercise judgment. So we know from that verse of scripture that money is not sufficient to confer wisdom. Neither is age a parameter. So that someone has 200 million followers on Instagram does not mean their opinion is worth more than the guy that does not have any follower on Instagram in the first place. It does not mean they are smarter. Praise God. Great men are not always wise. That you have followers, that you have a lot of people listening to you. It just means they all have the same appetite. It does not mean that they are wise. Because you all may have appetite for folly. Praise God. And that's what happens a lot on social media these days. Where the fact that someone has a few followers or millions of followers on Instagram, the person begins to confer, himself, or confer on himself the wisdom to appropriate counsel in almost every area of life. Your proficiency is making hair. How come you are now a marriage counselor? You sell wig. How come you are now, you know, helping people find their husbands on Instagram? Just because you have some following does not mean that by itself confers on you wisdom. Wisdom is not found from the earth. And we're going to see from scripture. Hallelujah. And it is also wrong to assume that because someone is older, they are wiser. Because Elihu gave them opportunity to... <laughs> I'm using, I want to use a word that Pastor Peace always uses. But let me, let me not use it. <laughs> he gave them opportunity to just express their wisdom. Only for them to be, you know, merchandising fully at a high level. And then Elihu said, ah! No, I thought years should teach wisdom. Number of days, how long you've been alive for, should be able to give you some measure of discretion that I, this small boy, should not have. But I came to a certain conclusion that it is not age that confers wisdom. Neither is it stature. There is a spirit in man. A spirit. There is a spirit in man. And anyone of any age can gain access to it. At the age of 12... Jesus was expressing a certain type of wisdom that got the attention of scribes and Pharisees and doctors of the law. Why would a 12-year-old come into a space and you pay him attention? You're supposed to continue your conversation. Hi, how are you? How's your mother, your father? Okay. Let's continue. And he began to ask certain questions. And the entire conversation became around what Jesus was asking. And they were like, mm, that's true. Okay, that's true. What, what did the prophet say in Isaiah? And they began to engage him at that level. He was asking questions. And the quality of his questions was an indicator of the kind of wisdom that governed his life. A 12-year-old. 12-year-old. Praise God. There's some 15-year-olds in this house right now. At least I know them. That's a 12-year-old. A 12-year-old was speaking. And doctors of the law. Scribes. People who had been there for years, decades, whose entire life and occupation was to understand the Torah. When he was asking them questions, they went back to their books to research. This question, these guys are, how old are you really? Where were you? How old are you? You know that sometimes you see a 12-year-old, you know it's 12-year-olds in the flesh. But you're like, ah, the quality of wisdom that is coming up from your head is beyond your years. Because you can tap into a certain realm of wisdom. That confounds your own age. That even you will be asking yourself, where am I from? Where, where did this wisdom come from? Jesus said, I will give you a mouth and a wisdom. 
of which none of your adversaries will be able to gainsay or resist you. A certain type of wisdom that trumps your age. That wisdom does not ask how old are you before it gets into your life. If you will ask from God, it does not operate. That's what the Bible says in James 1. It does not ask questions. It does not do any assessment to ask, who are you to be asking this kind of wisdom? How old are you? What have you done? What have you seen in this life? No. It says it does not operate. It does not have any, any stringent protocol. You just ask in faith. If you're a 12-year-old, you can gain access into this type of wisdom. And I'm certain a lot of us here are more than 12. Amen. Praise God. But there is a certain type of wisdom that is accessible by every and anyone. If they will ask, it says it is spirit. Someone said the spirit of wisdom. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the almighty giveth them understanding. Now, as impressive as Solomon's manifestation of wisdom was, it was an inferior type of wisdom. Because the Bible makes it very clear, Jesus himself speaking, he says the least in this kingdom is greater than Solomon. I'll say that again. <laughs> the least in this kingdom is wiser than Solomon. That's what it means. That is, there is a certain wisdom that is now available to you in Christ. He says, but of you are he in Christ Jesus, who of God has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Christ has been made unto us our wisdom. And that was something that even Solomon did not have access to. And that was why he made some certain types of statements that must be interpreted within the light of the new creation wisdom. For example, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon began to say things like, there is nothing new under the sun. The things that are, are a recycled pattern of things that have been. There is a measure of wisdom to that, which is what governs the uh, civilization in the world. Because it's all a function of research and literature review, what has happened in the past. So let us go back and contextualize that within the context of the new. And then try to look for a solution that can layer on the findings of the, of the fathers, quote unquote. Which is sound at a level. The Bible says the least in this kingdom is actually greater than Solomon. There is a type of wisdom we have access, access to. Because what the Bible makes us understand in 1 Corinthians 2 is that there is a certain wisdom called the hidden wisdom of God. And the Bible says it was hidden from before the world and has only been opened to us in this dispensation. It was hidden from before the world unto our own glory. None of which the princes of this world knew. It says, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect? Not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, which come to naught. Remember last week we quoted from 1 Corinthians 1, how that God himself said, I will confound the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Hallelujah. And so there is a wisdom that comes from this world. Bible says we already know the end of that wisdom. It comes to nothing. It comes to nothing. It comes to nothing. But it says, for we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom of God. None of which the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. A certain wisdom that does not depend on historical data. <laughs> a certain wisdom that does not matter how fine to the past you research. You can't find it. It is hidden. 
it is veiled away. And that's the perpetual reality of human lives on earth that are not governed by the wisdom of God. You are, you are relegated and limited to the wisdom of the past. What has happened in the past? What my friend said? What social media thinks? What the internet is prescribing? What has happened before? Let me look for somebody that has gone through this issue before. How did the person, you know, come out of it? And at a level, it's sound. But at the end of the day, the Bible says the wisdom that comes from this world, it ends in nothingness. It comes to nothing. So there is a veil that every single man on earth is walking with. It's like, imagine all of civilization and dispensations before now, walking through a certain path. All of them, the entire body of knowledge that governed the life and the administration of policies and civilizations from the moment the world began up until this time. It is resident within a certain, say, hard drive that is available for everyone that has ever lived and that is currently living. And it is from that archive that we get relevant information to whatever context we find ourselves. And from that particular hard drive, we're able to get, and that's what Google pretty much symbolizes. It's like an aggregator of all the knowledge that has ever been posted online. And then they aggregate it into buckets of relevant information that you then seek whenever you find yourself in a situation that requires that type of wisdom. Makes the Google's, Google's value proposition is a type of wisdom. And there is a reason why it is one of the most valuable companies in the world. Because their commodity, what they really sell, is insight. Based on the volume of literature that they possess within their database. They have a lot of literature. And so you go into them and you look for relevant information. Relevant to your own context. And then you find a sense of insight. That if someone has done this, done that within that particular context, this context, let me just tweak a little of those assumptions to fit into my context, and perhaps I'll find a way out. And there's a certain dimension of wisdom that that confers. But Google is not God. Amen. It's still limited. You, as a Christian, even though you're part of the bunch of people walking that path, you are not checking and doing peer-to-peer -peer comparative analysis to determine your next course of action. You are tapping to a certain intelligence. Look at that. Because the bulk of the people rely on a certain type of intelligence that is predicated on historical data and ends at the present point. Because every successive day adds to the historical data and increases the bandwidth of its relevance. But it cannot necessarily, with predictability and certainty, Tell you what will happen in the future. It can't. So you as a Christian, your responsibility as a believer is to plug away. Now, not entirely because you need that type of wisdom to pass your MBA. <laughs> and to finish school. <laughs> Say, uh, it is the word of God that uh, I'm going to be quoting for this physics teacher. Okay, now. <laughs> All right, so you, you, I'm not saying you plug entirely away, all right? But there are matters that would always be dark. So Google and literature review. Your role as a Christian is to plug to a certain wisdom that has no veil. That wisdom sees the past, the present, and the future at a glance. Praise God. That particular intelligence is not limited by historical data of the things that has happened in the past. 
it sees everything that will happen as though they already happened. It tells you it can see tomorrow. Praise God. Like yesterday. Praise the name of the Lord. And then you plug into that intelligence. Once you plug into that intelligence and you make it what informs your decision on a daily basis. You are guaranteed that nothing you do will ever lead to regrets. The reason why regret exists is because people do not plug into that type of wisdom. Amen. Regret will never have been a word if everybody walked by the wisdom of God. It won't exist as a word. Because God has never regretted a thing he has done. Never regretted it. <laughs> he doesn't regret things. Because regret is a function of if I had known, I wouldn't have done. If I had had the perspective of the future and how this, my decision that I made two years ago would have unfolded in reality. I may not have done what I did back then. So now I regret the decision I took two years ago. A decision that I may have changed had I known what it would have turned out to become. Now, because of the bandwidth of your brain, I'm looking at Rosemary to say this one. <laughs> because of the bandwidth of our brain. Let me look at Gabriel this time. Praise God. Because of the bandwidth of our brain and the impossibility of the algorithms in our mind to crunch the vast data within the intelligence of God. Ah, oh, Kaya. For our brain is so minuscule, it can't comprehensively crunch the volume of data that God has access to. At the end point of that data is a decision that you should make. But the understanding that leads to that decision is not possible for your mind to capture the bandwidth. It's not possible. Don't worry. It is for God to understand. I will, this is the intelligence that governs scripture. Yeah. Because we, if we want to understand everything that came into God's instruction to you, if you want to understand the algorithm, the back end of how 30 years was crunched into that decision, and it tells you to make a decision today that would impact 2052. But it is veiled away from you in terms of the understanding. Hmm. So God makes you a beneficiary of a wisdom that is not resident within your own normal carnal senses. But you are going to benefit from it because you obeyed an instruction in time. If God has to subject you to understanding every of the decisions you have to make. For you to understand one decision you made because God told you. You would have spent 90 years to just understand the reason behind a certain decision and instruction that he gave you in time. Amen. It's like at this rate. <laughs> Praise God. Are you with me, guys? So, the wisdom of God, if you seek it, it gives you a decision. It just gives you an instruction. It gives you something to do. If you attempt to understand it fully within the context of your carnal senses and rationality, at the end of 90 years, you are still trying to understand. You still have not fully understood it. 
Whereas the opportunity for which the instruction was given is lost. Huh? So there is a certain level of irrationality that you must stoop to in order to receive the wisdom of God at its face value. Because if you juxtapose that instruction with the reality of your own rationality and your you know, historical experience and intelligence, it will not match. It will make sense. So you have to actually pay the price. That's what I said last week. I'm giving you the, the fuller understanding right now. You have to actually pay the price of foolishness to accept the wisdom of God as wisdom. Even though it seems in your own hard drive as foolishness. Because you are using a certain database that is corrupt. That is subject to degeneracy. So wisdom at the highest level will still look foolish. They can't recognize it. What is this one? This one does not make sense. It's not consistent with our literature review. Nobody has done this in the past. This does not make sense. This is alien to what we are familiar with. And then you say, don't worry. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. So you agree that even though it's foolish, this foolishness is smarter than all my algorithm put together. And you do it. These kinds of decisions you make based on the superior intelligence from the one that sees all dispensations in a glance will always get better with time. You will never regret a single act of yours because you plugged into, a, into an intelligence that put into perspective all your years to come. If you, if you get married with this intelligence, you can predict how long your marriage will last because it is as long as you both live. You can predict it. And without this intelligence, you are bound to be dabbling through life. And as you are making mistakes, you now realize that, ah, I've made a mistake. I've regretted. So let me make another decision. Based on the archive of errors you have made. And you have not made enough errors to give you wisdom. Because your life is too limited to make all the errors possible. Are you hearing me? So if you, if you want to learn by experience, it's the lowest level of wisdom. Say, uh, I've learned by experience. You are not supposed to be learning by experience. Only who did not learn by experience. The people that had experience floundered when it came to delivering wisdom at a high level. They were just misfiring. And he was a young man who didn't have as much experience as they did. But he plucked to a certain type of wisdom that God can confer. And because of that, he was wiser than even the aged and the great. This is the wisdom that we need to plug into. By this wisdom, you will rule. This was the wisdom that Joseph plugged into. That an Egypt, which was just a normal nation, became a superpower. Because a man plugged into the wisdom of the ancient. Plugged into the wisdom of the man that does not have an age. Because God is ancient. He's not aged. Ancient. It's been there from the everlasting past into the everlasting future. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And that's why it's important that you understand how to get this type of wisdom. And to understand what governs this wisdom. Hallelujah. Because man is veiled. is veiled from the possibilities in the future. And even you are veiled too. For no man knows what to pray for as we ought. Even you are veiled. So we, we contact a certain intelligence. This is why we pray. 
so that we can contact an intelligence that will govern our fears into the future. You don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. For he who stretches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He's the one that makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Are we still together? So this is an introductory session. <laughs> Amen. Psalms chapter 14, Psalms chapter 53, both verse 1. Psalms 14, Psalms 53, verse 1, respectively. The Bible says, The fool will say in his heart that there is no God. It says the fool will say in his heart that there is no God. Hmm. Hmm. You know what that means? God. The way you know God is different from the way nature and order and the universe know God. You know God personally. So when I say God, it is that idea of a personalized relational being that comes to your mind. But God, in every other context, is not like that. He's not relational. Do you understand? But God is the body of knowledge that governs predictable outcomes. God. <laughs> Anytime you are going through a situation that you want it to be better and you seek a certain body of knowledge that can help you prosecute or execute something that will give you the kind of result you are looking for, you just related with God. God is a standard. That's the meaning of God. That's standard. Something you must submit to. How do we define insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. That is why the Bible calls that person a fool, a madman. Because he does not submit himself to the body of knowledge that governs some certain levels of predictable outcomes in an area. He assumes that by just desiring something better, better will show forth. That his desire is sufficient to call forth a better reality. So instead of him to change what he's doing, he continues to escalate his desires to become larger, even though he's doing the exact same thing. But his expectations are becoming different every time he does the exact same thing. Why? That's foolishness. Because he has said in his heart that there is no body of knowledge that governs outcome here. I am the God. So whatever I desire will come to pass, even though I'm doing the same foolish thing over and over again. Amen. So the Bible says, it is a fool that says in his heart there is no standard. It is a fool that says in his heart there is no principle. It is a fool that says in his heart there are no laws that govern our lives. It is a fool that says in his heart that in this area of life, whatever I want to do is what I will do. I will not go by the wisdom of the one that predicts the outcomes that are possible within this domain. I, I won't go to check what that person has said. I will just act out what I think and desire. And what I want to happen will happen however I desire it. That's foolishness at its peak. Amen. So it says, a fool will say in his heart that there's no God. So in marriage, there's no God. I am the one that determines who I want to marry. I will last for as long as we want to last because, well, I'm the God of this thing, this domain. I'm the God. When it comes to success and financial prosperity and wealth creation, uh, there's no God. And that's why sometimes a lot of people are wise. 
in, with respect to the things that relate to God, that pertain to God, but they are foolish in some other regards. Because in those other regards, they did not seek the body of knowledge that governs the predictable outcomes that they seek. They just assume that the wisdom that they prosecute in a certain domain will translate. So that you are a good Christian and a church rat does not mean God will pity you to give you money. If you do not seek the wisdom that governs wealth creation, you will just be as broke, but God will love you still. And he will not demand tithe and offering from you. He said, don't worry. You don't, don't worry. Tithe is not for your type. Don't worry. I understand your situation. Because in an area, you have been a fool. In that area, you said there's no God. My desire will make my preferred outcomes come to pass. And this is one of the reasons why people mock Christians. Because when it comes to their work, they are fools. They understand the Lord. They, they, they read the Torah. They read the Bible. But they have been fools. They've been playing fools in areas of their lives. And so they are not generating the results they want. They will now cast all the responsibility on God. They say, when God wants, it will make me experience what I, I want to experience. And God's like, ah, ah, you will take. God, that's what God, that's what God is saying. You, know, that you will take. If you like, don't seek wisdom that governs the predictable outcomes in this domain. And be saying, your relationship with me is enough to transfer to the outcomes that you prefer in those other areas. That a fool will say in his heart that there is no God. And this is one of the reasons why lives can be skewed. Because in one area, you are not a fool. In another area, you are a fool. Because you have said in your heart, in that area, there is no body of knowledge that I must seek that governs the outcomes in this domain. Because God, to nature, to the universe, to life, is standard. God is someone you submit to. Standards govern. Rules govern. That's what they do. They instruct you must comply. Else you face the wrath of the violations. Forever gravity governs. It's a law. It's a principle. That even though you know the Lord. If you will jump off a 30 story building. You will face the wrath of the violated law. Amen. So even though you are a Christian, you just fell victim of being a fool. The reason why Christians experience some massive results in an area. They can lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. They are living in health and stability as far as their vitality is concerned. But in some other areas, they are weak and they are beggarly and they are struggling. They don't have dominion. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. Have dominion. Dominion is all round. All round dominion. Not in some areas, all round. God wants your health to be strong. He wants your relationships to be strong. He wants your finances to be strong. He wants every area of your life for his kind of results to manifest in those areas. That's why they are called the manifold, many-sided dimensions to the wisdom of God. But you've got to seek each one of them. One will not translate to another. Hallelujah. That's why a man can be rich and still be a fool. Because he's rich in gold and silver, but he's still a fool. How? 
because he sought wisdom in the area of wealth creation, but he lacked wisdom in the area of relationship management. So Nabal was a fool. Even though he was rich, he's a fool. Because he did not seek wisdom in the areas of relationship management. He didn't even, even himself and his wife didn't have a good relationship. Because why would Abigail be cursing you before David? And Abigail told David, don't worry. No man, he's a fool. He will soon die. Don't worry. Just leave him. You don't need to become guilty by killing him. His folly will create a cause that will end in destruction. Right? There is a way that seems right to a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. So the way he's going about his life, it is guaranteed he will, be, he, will, he will soon die. You shouldn't kill him when he's quartered to die. Because the guilt of his death will not be on you. Whereas, he should have died his own natural death. So don't get involved. Don't worry. Just be a little bit more patient. This is his wife. He's a fool. Even though he's rich. There are a lot of rich fools in this world. Remember the guy that created bands for himself as well. And laid his leg down and said, now my soul be merry and enjoy for the years to come. Because now I've built bands and I'm never going to be hungry again. And God ensured that the last meal was his last. And he said, tonight, your life will be required of you. Remember the other guy? They didn't call him fool, but he was rich and he was a fool. Because he came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? He had a lot of riches and God told him exactly what to do. And he went away sad because the riches had possessed him. They are no longer his own possessions. He had become the possessions of his possession. And so he was a fool. He left sad. Something you give away quickly so that you can have peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He carried all those things. Something you're not going to go to heaven with. God was trying to let his life be light. He said, no, all this baggage, I must carry it along. He was a fool, but he was rich. So listen, don't confer wisdom on people just based on material possession. That somebody is rich, it just means he knows the way to the city as far as becoming rich is concerned. The same thing about social media. That somebody has a lot of followers on social media. It is not likely that you have a lot of followers on social media because you have wisdom from God. It's not likely. It just means you have things that a lot of people on earth are looking for. And it may just be one area of specialization, but you have a lot of people. And all these people have several areas of their lives. So they are not following for following you for all the areas of their lives. They are following you for one area of your life that you have proficiency. Don't begin to confer wisdom on yourself because you have following. And don't begin to confer wisdom on people that have following simply because they are following. It does not mean they are wiser than you. Amen. So vet all things. Hold fast to that which is true. Don't fall for the fallacy of authority. You know there's a fallacy called the fallacy of authority. That somebody who has followers, somebody who is in a position, he is speaking a certain thing. That means that thing, that thing is true. You vet all things. And the Bible says hold fast to that which is true. It does not matter who it is coming from. Folly can come from the aged. Folly can come from the rich. Folly can come from folks with plenty social media following. Folly can come from people that are well-dressed. Folly can come from CEOs. Folly can come from anybody that is highly placed. If it is folly, it is folly. It does not matter who it's coming from. Amen. So you must understand how to govern your life with the wisdom that comes from above. So that increasingly in future, number one, you would have no regrets. And number two, your decisions of the past would always get better with time. That is, every day you will thank God for the wife you married five years ago. Every day you thank God for the decisions you made in, in business and investment five years ago. Every day you keep thanking God for the decisions you made in the past that are still relevant even into the future. Because you plugged into a certain wisdom that is always good. 
that will always get better with time. Because that wisdom factored time into that decision and instruction it gave you that time before you made it. This is how to govern our lives. This is how God wants us to govern our lives. This is how God wants us to engage relationships and decision making. This is it. Harvard Business Review is foolish relative to God. Relative to God, everyone is still a joker. Because Bible says in the domains of wisdom, God's wisdom does not show up. It is his foolishness that comes to the park. When wisdom of men are, are, are struggling to slug it out, it is God's foolishness that comes, and it comes very weak, and it will still flog all of them with one eye closed. And it is the foolishness of God that comes. God will not even insult his wisdom by releasing it in a... It is the foolishness of God, the Bible says, is wiser than men. And it says it's the weakness of God that is stronger than men. Hallelujah. So Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. Let's check that out. It says... That by wisdom a house, let's use another word so we can understand it progressively, all right? By wisdom a house is founded. By understanding it's established. And through knowledge, its interiors are filled with precious things. By wisdom a house is founded. By wisdom a house is founded. Through understanding it is established. And by knowledge, its interiors are filled with pleasant and precious riches. Proverbs 24, verse 3. 24, uh-huh. Praise God. See that? <laughs> so, it is by wisdom a house is built. Look at this. Go to Psalms 11, verse 3. I want to establish you in this understanding because throughout this teaching series, we'll be exploring the areas of our lives and the wisdom that govern those areas. <laughs> yes. If the foundations be destroyed, your righteousness will not compensate. That's my own version. I'll say that again. If your foundation is destroyed, your righteousness component will not compensate for the lack of wisdom that you did not apply at the foundation of that endeavor. I'll say that again. He says, if the foundation be destroyed, KJV said, what can the righteous do? He can really not do anything. Even though he is righteous, even though he has a relationship with God, the foundation of that which he wants to be better is destroyed. So, his righteousness cannot compensate for a lack of wisdom. So, even the righteous must ensure that his foundation is founded on wisdom. Else, at the level that that building is built and is growing and all of that, once it begins to face the crisis and is reacting to the crisis, the way things that are not founded by wisdom react to crisis, even the righteous will not be spared. Because he also violated the codes of wisdom at the founding of that thing. And the thing and the challenge with foundations is that they are not impressive. They are not visible to the eyes. If you are a people pleaser, you will not seek wisdom. You will just seek what people want and what the opinions of men are talking about. But if you really want the wisdom of God, it is not going to be very impressive because it is at the very unseen realms of your life. It's like the root of a flower. Nobody goes to buy the root of a flower for his girlfriend and say, be smelling the root, be smelling the root. You want to kill her with a uh, cat or what? You give her the flowers, the fruits. 
you know, the, the, the beautiful part. In fact, you will cover the root with, your, with the nylon, huh? Because that's not what you want to see. But that is what produced everything that you want. So the foundations may not be visible, but a wise man pays attention to them. Because it is this foundation that determines the height of the building. It is this root that determines the beauty of the flowers. And so it may not be the most impressive thing to pay attention to the root, but it is the most wise thing to do. That's the wisest thing you can do with your decision making today. Pay attention to the foundational elements. Because if the foundation is destroyed, even when the righteous has built 20-story building on a foundation that cannot hold up more than 10, it will still suffer crisis. And sometimes crisis come to reveal the quality of your foundation so that you can go back to the beginning because God will not jomo. He won't say, don't worry, don't worry. I will compensate for your lack of wisdom. No, 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 no. His mercy for you is so that a crisis will hit you at 11th floor, so that you will not continue to build. So the crisis that will make you go back to the ground floor and build with wisdom, it will hit you. So that you come back and seek wisdom. God will not violate his wisdom for anybody. Amen. Are we still together, guys? So it says, if the foundation be destroyed, your righteousness will not compensate. So, in any area of your life, in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your career, if you do not seek wisdom, you will face the consequences of that violation. And the fact that you're a Christian will not make that issue not occur. Because you violated the wisdom there. In that area, you said there was no God. You said there was no body of knowledge that predicted outcomes of victory. You said that. So, you violated it and you said, my being a child of God will compensate. What your being a child of God should do is to give you a lab where all wisdoms can be sorted. It's like they're archived, like a library. So what being a child of God should do is to open you to the portal where all wisdom are captured and categorized. So that you go to the, to the portion of the library that governs the predictable outcomes in marriage and you look for the wisdom of God in that area and you read it. That is what being a child of God will give you access to. It will not, because you are righteous, confer righteousness upon all your decisions. No. Because you may be making decisions that are steeped in folly, even though you are righteous. So God did not say when the foundation is destroyed, even the wicked, what can they do? He says they're righteous. And I see a lot of righteous people, good people, but five years post a foolish decision, they are suffering the consequences. And their righteousness could not compensate for it. And they are running from pillar to post, from mountains to pastors, asking prophets to prophesy over their lives, asking for visions and dreams and trances and convictions from many people. And there is no way out because they violated wisdom. The act of God's mercy is to ensure that crisis hits you early. That is why God sends crisis sometimes. So that that crisis will hit you early and that you run back to the foundation and build it well. Not that you wait for you to be 50 years old and then the crisis hits. And there is no way to build back. There's no way. This is why a lot of people eat what? Breakfast. Why? This is why. <laughs> so God will just hit you with crisis quickly. So that you can go and look for the wisdom that governs success in relationships. Before you go again. And go back to the ring of play and say, I'm here again. Breakfast could not hold me down. <laughs> Praise God. A righteous man falls seven times. Why is the righteous man falling in the first place? His foundation was getting destroyed. He was not fighting with wisdom. And he's falling seven times. Why? If he built by wisdom the first time, he won't have to fall at all. 
Wisdom has predictable outcomes wired into it. Amen. And your age should not make you susceptible to folly. And say, yeah, he's part of the youthful exuberance. You know, man must have to make mistakes first. You don't! Jesus did not make any mistake in life. He did not. And he lived not as an angel. He lived as a man. He did not make one mistake. One. He didn't. Because he governed his life by wisdom. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature. And in favor with God and man. You don't have to regret a single decision of your life. You don't. If you govern your life by wisdom, you don't. You don't. Don't let anybody bamboozle you and say, you, you are still young, so make all your mistakes. Make, hey, hey. That's the wisdom that comes from this world, and it comes to nothing. There is a certain credit that is allotted to them. But you can't compare that kind of wisdom to the wisdom that comes from above. Because when, when Solomon is talking, you can't compare to when Christ is talking. Even though Solomon has wisdom at his own level, but his wisdom comes to naught. Because he said everything that would ever be is what has always or already been. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.9 that I had not seen, he has not heard. It has not entered into the heart of any man. The things the Lord has prepared for them that love him. Where is he getting his reference from? From a certain type of wisdom. And it is not wrong. There is just a superior wisdom. Praise God. I had not seen the things God has prepared for you. You can't search it on Google. You can't find anybody on earth that can give it to you. You've got to plug into that type of wisdom. That celestial wisdom. There is the wisdom that comes from above. Hallelujah. Now let, let's, let's get into the meat of what we're sharing here today. Matthew 7. Hallelujah. Matthew 7. So that we can describe what this wisdom is all about. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Matthew 7. Uh, can you turn off that? fan for me because it keeps disrupting my, it keeps opening to places that I don't want it to open to. Alright. Or you can, you can leave it on. You can leave it on. I'll find a way around it. Alright. Matthew 7. Wow. Verse 24. Look at what the Bible says here. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that builds his house upon a rock. It says, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26, and everyone that heareth these things, or these things of mine, and doeth them not, it says, shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. It says, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And the Bible says, great was the fall of it. Hmm. Verse 28 says, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended his sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. This is one thing that governs the doctrine of Jesus. The wisdom of God. The spirit of wisdom. Now let's look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Amen. Can I hear your amen? amen? Luke chapter 6. Praise God. Luke chapter 6 from verse 46. The same parable or the same illustration but with a bit more insight. It says, And why call ye me Lord and do not the things which I say? Why come to church and not allow the word that you hear in church govern your Monday to Saturday? Why call me Lord and not do the things that I say? 
There's no point. If you will not do it, you can as well stay at home. It says if you will come to hear, the premium on the hearing is the doing. Don't hear if you will not do. You're deceiving yourself. That's what James said. Hearers are not doers. Deceiving your own selves. He says, why ye call me Lord and do not the things that I say? Verse 47, it says, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he's like. Let me describe to you who does my sayings. The person that comes, hears me and does the things that I say, I will describe him to you in a, in a very graphic, metaphorical sense. He said, he's like a man which built a house. And Bible says, look at that phrase, and dig it deep. I like that. He did get what? I, I, I was, I attended Redeemed Christian Church of God growing up. So every Tuesday, we'll go for what? Digging deep. Because the wisdom you need to govern your life, you won't find it in shallow places. You won't find it in shallow, you won't find it on social media. Those are two shallow places. You can't govern your life on tips. <laughs> Let me give you tips for your Monday. And that's what governs your life. I said, I, I like this social media handle. It always gives me tips. <laughs> you will soon be tipsy. <laughs> tips. <laughs> tips to govern your life. You dig deep. If all you do is devotionals, you are not digging deep enough. You dig deep. You study to show yourselves approved unto God. A workman. So when you are going to read your Bible, you're a workman. It's, it's an occupation. You go there with your tools, your hearing, your, your speaking, your confessions of faith. It's a workman that needs not to be ashamed. It's not laziness to get into God's word and receive revelation knowledge and meditations that will govern your life and give you predictable outcomes of victory. Praise the name of the Lord. He says you're a workman. You think it's easy to dig deep? Have you seen people that, that dig? Have you seen them before? People that dig, whether it's well or rails or whatever. Have you, have you seen the way they look? If they slap you, you will know that digging deep is not a joke. He says they dig deep. It's a work. He says a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Right? He says, what is the big? This is not just to read. This is not just literature. Ah! You are digging deep for treasures. You won't find it on the shallow parts of life. Social media is one of the shallowest ends of life. But the Bible says the deep that you need for your life is only found in the deep in God. The deep calls to the deep. Psalms 42 verse 7. Amen. So you look for the deep things of God and you dig inside. It says these things have been revealed to us by his spirit. For his spirit searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. Bible says this man, in order to build just a house, this house, this financial house I want to build, he, he won't just start building it. He will go and dig deep. He will go and dig deep. He will go and dig deep. And as he's digging, you say, ah, why is it? Oh, don't you have an MBA? Just start this business. Now. Ah, no, let me go and dig. And he goes on a 40-day fast. And he's praying. He's praying in the Holy Ghost. He's studying. And he's bringing books from Isaiah. He's bringing confessions, prophetic nuances and utterances that he has written for several years. He's reading those things. And in one moment of revelation knowledge, the word for the business just comes forth into his spirit. And he writes it down. And he hits the rock. Whoosh. Glory to God. Bible says he digs deep. And Bible says he so he does not stop digging until he finds rock. Hey, yeah. He does not stop digging. 
He digs deep. And it does not matter how long he digs for. How long he digs for. He will continue to dig until he finds rock. Because he knows that the stability of that house will compensate for the effort that went into the digging. Ah, He knows that it does not matter how long I dig for. By the time I'm done building this house, it will last far longer than even I'm able to live. Far longer than I'm able to live. This thing will continue. It It would outlast me. He knows. So he will dig until he finds rock. He will dig. While he's digging, his mate has done coronation. He commissioning. His, his mate has gone to bring one prophet to ordain the house. Nobody will come and ordain your house and ask. Let me see the foundation. Is that what they will say? Yeah, this, this is so fine. And then they'll go into the interiors. Ah, this is so lovely. Lovely. Very lovely. And, and they will pray. If our trust will come for them to pray more. Five years down the line, the house is down. Nobody asks for the foundation. Nobody sees the foundation. But a wise man will dig until he finds rock. Because that is what will sustain that building. So when you're making your decision, don't make your decision for the gram. Don't make your decision so that people say, hot, la hot. So by the time they, they hail you finish, you think that is, that is what life is about. What is the foundation? You're not getting married for the gram. You're not getting married for Christmas pajamas. Amen. There's uh, nothing wrong with pajamas. So, so I'm speaking to people's mind. <laughs> Say, hey, enough. War against pajamas wearing couples. War, war. <laughs> Praise God. I was advising a couple recently. I said, do the wedding that fits your account. Listen, if your wedding didn't go well, but your marriage keeps getting better, the better the wedding pictures look, I promise you, if you go back to the wedding pictures of a horribly planned wedding, 10 years into the marriage, you will be laughing and be screaming and be kissing because the marriage is sweet. If you like, spend $2 billion on your wedding, divorce at year five. By that fourth year, you'll be looking at, you will tear the album. It was, it was snapped by the best photographer in town. You did it at... What's the most expensive event, event center? You, you blew everything. But the, the worse the marriage goes, the worse the wedding album begins to look. But the better the marriage goes, boy. You look at the wedding I ah, see the makeup. Ah, you don't even know what. Ah, you laugh. <laughs> you will laugh. Because the marriage is sweet. Because the marriage was founded on a rock. Not on panda. Not on earth, not on sand, on the rock. Do you see it is greed and covetousness that plans our wedding sometimes? The required resources for a wedding are not costly. The wife, the husband, the man of God, the parents, your house, your sitting room should it should do. The real things, oh. And now in Kikoyi, they don't collect much more than, uh, do you understand? Before you get the certificate. So the real things that need to happen, required for a marriage to work, they are not very expensive. The rest are your fantasies. The rest are the things you want. Amen. Say so a couple that just got married, they're looking at me. I say, if I start, <laughs> If you have the money, your parents are willing to lavish, please, by all means, collect it. 
my wife and I did our wedding at the largest event center in Ondo. Yes. So, uh, but I did, I did, my couple did not enter the event center. <laughs> we just did our whole personal event. I bought wedding for my wife. I mean, gown for my wife. My own suit. My guys, everybody were fine. Personal effect. That was what I used my money for. Every other thing. Parents, maybe you want the big wedding. Do the big wedding for me. I will come and feature in my wedding. <laughs> it's your wedding. I'm just a feature. <laughs> yes. But if this wedding will be based on the money that I have. Ah, my, my room is big enough. Amen. <laughs> or at least I'll borrow church facility or something. If it's by my own money, because I will not be paying debt five years into my wedding. Ah, what does that? Praise God. If you will pursue wisdom, your decisions will get better with time. Amen. Where were we, sir? <laughs> Flinging us. Bible says he's like a man that builds a house and digs deep. Boy, it's inconvenient, boy, digging. It's, it's, it's made already sleeping in mansions. They started building the same time. After he has done his own commissioning, this guy is still digging. In fact, we can't even see him because he's inside the, the, the place he has dug. We can't even see the traces of whatever he's doing because he placed premium on the future. Right now, he looks like a fool. So, a wise man is a former fool. That's the truth. A wise man is someone that his mates and colleagues called a fool at some point. People looked at his life and said, why, why is there no progress in your life? Just do this shortcut and get the results. Get the money that your mates are getting. Do Yahoo Plus. I know a way. Just gamble your way into your destiny. Don't play betting. And you will find a way out. So he said, I'm not, no, no, no. I want to build wealth that will, that will not develop wings. <laughs> uh, I don't want any wealth that, that has wings. Because <laughs> the one you are building, eh? <laughs> it's like a like a wealth. <laughs> it's like a like a, it can fly. That was says wealth that is ill-gotten. It, one day, it will just develop wings. It may be one health challenge. Right. One health challenge. And all that money, everything gone overnight. It can develop wings and fly. So let me build the one that does, is wingless money I want. Wingless. And that one does not come overnight. You will walk and you will seek wisdom and you will dig deep. And then you found it there. You found that house and you build it. Hallelujah. So the Bible says... He lays the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, he didn't say if. Uh, God does not choose the one that the flood will come and hit. Oh. They are guaranteed factors in life. God does not choose the people that will go through crisis and the ones that don't. Everybody goes through them. Some people just survive it better. Because of the quality of their foundations. He didn't say if. So if you like, don't build with the rock. See, the time of begging people to order their lives according to scripture is gone. Don't build with the rock. Don't. Consequences will teach you. Nobody will teach you when you run and say, Pastor, help my life. I'm telling you. Build with the rock. So that you will give your pastor his semi. You know? Telling you the truth. The bulk of people that pastor is sweating and counseling over are people that did not build right. Then in the middle of a crisis, they're waking him up at, at night. So, build right, build right. Tell your neighbor, build right. Build right. Build 
your neighbor that is not your husband, build right. Because I saw your neighbor that is not your husband, build right. Before God, it's not so that we build. I'm tasking people today. <laughs> Praise God. Because you are traveling soon, so let me just, let me use my power today. Amen. Bible says, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that, hey God, <laughs> what kind of a man is this? He says, a man without a foundation. What was he thinking? That the earth will sustain his decisions? You know what the earth is? Clay. You know what clay is? Man. You know what the rock is? Christ. That was the rock that followed Israelites through the wilderness. He says Christ cannot be found in the shallow places of the world. You can't find Christ on social media. You dig deep. When you find him, you build your house on him. But you, you, you just find the, the most available, most followed social media influencer, and then you build around his tips until you are tipsy. And now the, the house to his tipsy is coming down. He says this guy built his house without a foundation. And Bible says, hiya. Without the foundation and built his house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately even give the rain and the winds a run for their money. He didn't even challenge them. Immediately it fell. And Bible says the ruin of that house was great. So guess what? He became homeless. Then the, the, the former fool now became the wise man. Because that one is still lounging in his house 50 years down the line. So look at, mm, you see, wisdom always overcompensates your efforts. Overcompensates. Maybe he dug for two years, but now this house will last for generations after. Maybe he dug for five years. Maybe he knew this woman he wanted to get married for for two years. Maybe he just maybe he invested in knowing her. Maybe they read books together. Maybe they prayed together. Maybe they caught her for two, three, four years. Yes, you know, it was a little long. But the marriage compensated for the time they waited for. But this one, ah, the way it makes me feel he's shocking me. We need to marry next month. He's shocking me. Please, please, I can't wait. And then he shocks you, shocks you. Uh, not shock. <laughs> Maybe shock. <laughs> Three years down the line, we can't see the evidence. And then you, you go back. See, this thing, this is the word of God. You can predict outcomes. If you will found your house on a rock, you can predict how long that house will stand. You can predict it. Because that house is not standing on your desires. It's standing on a rock that cannot fail. It's standing on a rock. So you can predictably say, this house will never fall. So when Bishop Wedebo found the answer and the secrets to wealth creation, he said, I can never be poor again. It's not a song that it is, I will be rich till I die that will guarantee that. Too. For those that have not heard it. Anyways, some people have heard it, but some people have not heard it. You will hear it soon. Don't worry. It is not until a musician tells you, I'll be rich till I die. You two, you carry the song and say, I'll be rich till I die. But you do not found the wealth creation protocol of your, of your life on the rock. Your singing it will not confide on you. The boy they both found that gold and he said, Ah, I can never be poor again. Even my distant generation can still not be poor. It was a generation, it was a revelation he caught somewhere. He dug deep. You know, he went for a retreat that day. 
Went for a retreat, got some Gloria Copeland books, and he began to read and chew on it. He dug and dug, and when he found the rock, he built it there. And he said, I can never be poor. Till forever, he can't be poor. Because he built that house on a rock. Don't build your house on crypto. And there's nothing wrong with crypto, sincerely. There's nothing wrong with all these things, amen. Because the church is supposed to be for social re-engineering. So that's why I mentioned these things, so you can understand. So the next time you see some of these things, you won't build your life on them. Get a job, build wealth, build a career. Do those things by the side, but don't create your entire life around something that is wobbly. That one person's tweet can finish it. Okay. Hallelujah. I may not be able to go further than I have gone. There are four foundational elements of wisdom that I wanted to bring up from here. But let us stop here. All right? So that you'll come back next week. Come rest to our feet right now and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Rekepali brande keziza, la proverbe ni tranda sulahai, la brokopo bregediba celebre siotandi, zege bregedebodo shala bragaraba, epresi la paga. Can somebody pray in this place right now? Because one of the ways you shoot this wisdom is by praying in the Holy Ghost. This wisdom we speak, not with the words that man's wisdom teaches, but that which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Can you pray in the Holy Ghost right now? The wisdom you need for 2023. Begin to release it into your atmosphere. Begin to release it. Begin to release it. The wisdom you need for 2023. So that all the decisions you make this year. Forever. They will still be sound. 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 Imbra sula pari, eka parustaha, leberabakuziate, lapambrekete, chabrande belalava. In Jesus' name, I pray. If there are areas of your life where you know you founded a house and it was not on the rock, because remember, the earth that people found that that other guy founded his house on was man, the opinions of men, social media. That's what he founded it on. What is everybody doing? I'm sure a lot of us fell victim of MMM and some of these other scams because everybody was doing it. And so you built your financial life on that. And so there are decisions you may have made right now. It may be relationship driven. It may be career. It may be even the kind of church you attend. And you know this building is not on a rock. This thing is not on a rock. You know, because while I was teaching, the Holy Ghost was ministering to you. You know. You know the decisions that are not built on a rock. Not easy to found a building on a rock. It's not easy. But boy, the rewards that come from building on a rock always overcompensates for the efforts that went into it. And so if you're here, I'm going to be praying for you right now for grace. Not for grace for you to continue building. Because eventually, the foundation will be destroyed. And the Bible says even though your righteousness will not be able to compensate for the lack of wisdom that you violated at the beginning. So I'm going to pray for you for grace to bring the house down before the rain comes. 
It is wisdom. Because the rain is inevitable. The wind is inevitable. The storm is inevitable. It is wisdom for you to retrace your steps. And like, there's no crisis. Why are you pulling it down? Crisis is coming. Let me pull it down first. And let me build again. This career, let me build it again. This relationship, let me build it again. This is my spiritual work with God. Let me build it again. I don't want to be a Pharisee that just comes to church and slice bread of the word. And then that's all you... No, no, no. You dig deep. I want to build my relationship with God this year on the rock. I want to really have a relationship with God. Not what, what, what people are saying. Not just go for worship concerts and then little bullions and you assume that's enough. That's building on sand. Build it on a rock. So for the next few minutes, I want you to pray in your heart. And I'm going to be praying for you right now. That in the name of Jesus, every house that is built on the sand, waiting for adversity and crisis and affliction to come and test it, Lord, give them the grace to pull that house down and build with wisdom. That's my prayer for you. And that's the kind of grace you need to receive right now. So right now, can you begin to just pray to God and talk to God personally? And say, Lord, I need wisdom in this area of my life. I need wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. The wisdom to build a house that would always last. A house that would outlast crisis and adversity. For if you faint in the day of adversity, it was your strength that was small. It was the strength of the building that was small. Stop blaming the crisis. Stop blaming the rain. Stop blaming the storm. Those things will come. The Bible didn't say if. It didn't say if. It says when. It's a guarantee. They ask God. Ask God for grace. Lord, give me the grace to pull down that which was not built on the rock and to build afresh with you. Ask God to give you the grace so you can build afresh with him. And that's the grace you have received in this house this morning. The Lord, every one of us here who has come to this mountain to receive wisdom, Lord, you give them the grace because you can't put foundation on a lintel. You've got to pull it down first and then rebuild from the beginning. You've got to rebuild from the beginning. You rebuild from the beginning. You can't put foundation. You can't say, let me, let me add foundation to this one that I've already built. No! You pull it down. If the relationship is not from God, don't wait for the breakup. Break it up already. Because some, breakup, some breakups happen in marriage. Don't wait till then. Break it up already. Come back to the foundation. Build on the rock. Then continue from there. That's the grace that has been ministered unto you this morning. That's the grace. That's the grace. That's the grace. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. Glory to God forever. For in Jesus' precious name, we are prayed. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Celebrate Jesus this morning. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. Rejoice. Rejoice. He's the king of Zion. The shout of a king is amongst us. He's the king of Zion. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Park Point Tribe.